0: Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of GoreCom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives about what their companies are doing with us today. We're happy to have them for the first time ever. David Elsley, President and CEO of Cardio Therapeutics, trades on the big board TSX under CRDL. For our friends in the U.S., CRTPF, and for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under CT9. Now, look, we know that biotech companies by their very nature can often be difficult to understand for investors, There are a lot of technical terms, medical terms, FDA regulations, a lot of things. But in order to understand cardio, all you have to know is they're developing therapies for heart disease and heart failure through cannabidiol, better known to all of you as CBD. For example, they've got a clinical product and they've got a commercial product. Their clinical product has been approved by the US FDA uh, for phase two, three uh, clinical trial in hospitalized COVID-19 patients with a prior history of cardiovascular disease. Uh, they're also planning for that same product, Cardiol Rx, a phase two uh, trial for acute myocarditis. Now that is, most, is the most common cause of sudden cardiac death in people under 35. But while they're doing that, the great part is they've also got this commercial product that's already being commercialized, Cortilex. Uh, that's the first THC-free extra strength formulation of cannabidiol CBD oil, Uh, available across Canada, why? March, 2020, they became a medical cannabis uh, CBD supplier, sorry, to Shoppers Drug Mart, Canada's largest pharmacy retailer through their online medical cannabis by Shoppers. That's available nationwide. They've also raised more than $27 million or brought in more than $27 million since June, 2020 through a prospectus offering warrants and options exercises. So they're really hitting out of the park Let's talk about the company. David, welcome to Agoracom.
1: Good afternoon, George. It's a great pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me today.
0: Glad to have you because you guys are doing some unbelievable things and there's some big things happening in your industry that we'll talk about later. Uh, So I think it's great for everyone to get to know Cardiol. Before we do a bit of a deep dive into what you guys are doing there specifically, you know, we all hear about heart disease. We all hear about you know uh, heart failure and all that. We kind of take for granted that we know uh, all about it, uh, but it's a there's a it's a major impact on the healthcare system in North America. How big of a problem are you looking to solve? The problem
1: of 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 heart medicine is is the largest problem uh, facing the developed world today. So, heart failure, for example. Is an epidemic. It's driven by diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure. All of those factors are on the rise in the developed world. And that's driving this condition that affects 26 million people in the developed world, a leading cause of mortality. And it is one of the most frequent reasons people are hospitalized. And this drives extraordinary impact and healthcare burden on the US healthcare system alone, with over $30 billion in annual healthcare expenditures ascribed to heart failure hospitalization. So if you think about that, in terms of impact on human health, it's extraordinary. These patients have a 30 to 50% mortality rate within the first one to five years of diagnosis. But whilst they're having this disease impacting their quality of life, they're also in and out of hospital frequently, and that is uh, causing a tremendous impact and burden on the already strained healthcare systems. So at Cardiol, we've focused on this area of medicine for over 30 years. The team has extraordinary talents and experience in this area, and we look forward to changing the lives of these patients, providing new forms of treatment to target the ultimate cause or the ultimate underserved uh, component of this disorder, which is chronic inflammation. So inflammation plays a fundamental role in the development and progression of this deadly disease. And we see a unique opportunity with this molecule cannabidiol or as you mentioned in your preface, preface remarks, CBD, this molecule is very powerful in its ability to influence inflammation. And we've developed ways to target it specifically at cardiac tissue to provide a protective benefit against this inflammatory insult. And we believe it's going to change people's lives.
0: Okay. And I'm glad you bring that up because the first thing I was thinking as a devil's advocate is, well, from the if everybody watches TV, you see commercials for all sorts of heart medications. You hear of all sorts of drugs that are out there. What is that? What is that you think cardial RX? Uh, and we'll talk about where it is in clinical trial. But what do you think about what is about Cardiol RX that's better suited than a typical drug uh, candidate we've all been used to uh, for the for the population that you're targeting?
1: I think the greatest uh, feature of of this medicine. Is its safety profile and its potency in terms of its anti inflammatory properties. If you think about other anti inflammatory agents such as steroids, they're profoundly toxic. They have significant adverse side effects. They work through mechanisms in the body that can also, that can actually cause vasoconstriction or restrict blood flow. And that's the last thing you want to do in a patient with heart disease. So if you think about um, other non-steroidal anti-inflammatories such as Vioxx or Celebrex, these well-celebrated painkillers, they have black, black box warnings that say, may increase risk for heart attack and stroke. And that's because of the path they work through. The interesting feature of CBD or cannabidiol is it has this powerful ability to reduce inflammation without causing all of this toxicology or toxicity or side effect concerns of these more powerful steroidal agents. And that's where we believe this drug offers its greatest advantage safety combined with therapeutic benefit. And that is, I mean, that's the home run in medicine. You're trying to really innovate a new medicine. A lot of new powerful medicines are limited by their side effect profiles. You know, they're, they're strong, they work against disease, but they cause these side effects that limit their use on a lot of patients.
0: Do cannabidiols have side effects?
1: Really, the only uh, impact we see with ultra-high-dose cannabidiol, extraordinarily high-dose cannabidiol, is because it's it's a central nervous system calming molecule. It it, it has a bit of an anti effect, and that can cause a bit of sleepiness. So in very high- I dose, can live with that. Yeah. You might get a little sleepiness, but most patients take it at night, so that is not really an issue. But- that's a as you say. Most people can live with a, a little reduction in anxiety in this environment we're living in today. So uh, if that's the only side effect, I think that's a side effect people can live with.
0: You're now on, on that note. Then let's talk about where you are in your development. You're in a current phase two, th- phase two, phase three clinical trial. Um, what does that mean? Where are you uh, in the process, and how long until you think you're ready? to get FDA approval when you know to, to get that big decision so
1: we're all facing this pandemic around the world today that is wreaking havoc on our day-to-day lives and impacting society in many ways the unique proposition though that this pandemic has presented to cardiol is it is an opportunity for us to rapidly study the impact of our drug so it, we're studying the cardioprotective benefits or the anti-inflammatory properties of CardiolRx are high strength prescription cannabidiol formulation in patients who are COVID positive, but more importantly, these patients are hospitalized with a, with a history or risk factors for cardiovascular disease, meaning they have heart disease and they become infected with the COVID virus. That sets up for an extraordinarily high risk for mortality or morbidity, 40, 50 times normal population. Wow. And this is allowing us to rapidly study the impact of our drug, not on COVID per se, but on the immune response to COVID. So the virus goes to the cardiopulmonary system. It it invades the system. The immune system fires up to try to kill the virus. That's what our immune system is designed to do. And unfortunately, it misfires and causes chronic inflammation, which can lead to tissue death in the heart and can lead to mortality or significant cardiovascular complications like heart attack or stroke. So we're using this uh, phase two, three clinical trial opportunity to rapidly study the anti-inflammatory cardioprotective benefits of our medicine in this high risk clinical setting. this trial is ramping up right now. As we speak, we plan to recruit the patients, up to 422 patients, at major clinical centers in the United States this year and answer this question. And this trial has been designed to potentially be registrational. So to address your your key question about when could this medicine be available? We know that the FDA now is offering emergency use authorization for important new medicines in the COVID setting in a matter of weeks. So to the extent that we are successful in this trial and we've designed it for success and to study the impact of our product, we could see an emergency use authorization very in in a very short period of time following the completion of this trial. And we also believe the data from this study, more importantly, will support a new drug application and will also provide important information about other areas of heart medicine. So, in the wake of COVID, there's going to be an entirely entire generation of people that are impacted with structural cardiovascular because covid is leaving a lot of damage behind its behind it in its path and those patients are going to need better forms of treatment
0: could could cardiol rx actually help not just be preventative but could also help people if i've already gone through it i've already got some of the damage could cardiol rx potentially help me after the fact
1: we believe so because uh, cardiovascular disease or chronic inflammation is progressive so it's the same in any disease. If you can stop its progression, if you, if you think about the early phases of heart failure, you have symptoms where you're short of breath. So you run up a flight of stairs and you become a little short of breath, a little more so than you're used to. Well, if you can stop the disease right there, that would be remarkable contribution to heart failure medicine.
0: Because, because then you can actually fight again, you can actually start kind of fighting, do the things needed need to bring it back, exercise, better diet, but you just want to stop in its tracks first and then you've got a much better fighting chance.
1: Exactly, one of the key impacts is this inhibits exercise tolerance. So it makes it difficult for people to exercise. And one of the best medicines as we all know for heart health is exercise. So if we can enable the uh, discontinuation of progression or inhibit progression, we can allow these patients to remain mobile, get the exercise they need and that will contribute to their state of health and prognosis in a beneficial way.
0: If everything goes as planned, um, what's your what's your go to market strategy? Because right now, at least, you're a small cap company, a successful one, but you know you're at 150 million dollar mark cap, and you'd be you'd be going to address a really major market. Would you guys go it alone? Would you? Is that the point where sometimes you see you know, you know George Compharma brings in a big pharmaceutical company to partner or license? How, how do you think you'd go to market uh, if, if everything went well and you got through and you got through to FDA approval?
1: We'd look to align ourselves with one of the major uh, international pharmaceutical companies with experience in cardiovascular marketing. A, a classical example would be a company like Myocardia. It traded on the NASDAQ back in 2017. It was an independent biotech company. Market cap, very similar to our company, around 200 million, 150 million. Last year, they were bought for $13 billion by Bristol Myers, and they partnered in 2018 with Sanofi, who co-developed their drug, and they developed a $13 billion enterprise value in that process. So by partnering at the right time when you've answered some important clinical questions, it can be very rewarding economically, but more importantly, in terms of the impact on human health, these broad distribution systems in these Dominant players in cardiac medicine can more effectively get the medicine out to the physicians that are prescribing it more efficiently than we can. Our major contribution is answering the question about the medicine, targeting it, formulating it, developing it, showing where it works, and then lending. uh, Bringing in the helping hand of a strategic partner to do the heavy lifting on the commercialization front so we can focus on where our talent lies, which is innovating new treatments in the broad areas of heart heart medicine, of which there are multiple
0: categories. And on that note, in addition to myocardia, uh, Jazz Pharma is set to acquire GW Pharma for about 7 billion. And you said this in an interview a while ago, uh, I'm quoting you, this really serves as a validation for all companies working in this new important area of medicine, it's a real tailwind for the industry and it's going to shepherd in great things to come. So is your timing also perfect from a markets, from, from a capital markets point of view? Are the are the big pharmaceutical companies uh, finally opening their their eyes to cannabidiol CBD, these kind of therapies and their potential?
1: I think they are. So if uh, if you look at that Jazz acquisition, you know those remarks I made remain true to this day. I mean, it is a validating moment. So um, you. you know, Big Pharma came in, acquired the the company GW Pharma that developed cannabidiol-based medicine for rare forms of epilepsy that affect about 37,000 children at any one time in the United States. Jazz Pharma paid 7.2 billion to acquire that company for that pediatric epilepsy franchise. If you just look at one category of disease that Cardiol is focused on. So on the one hand, GW developed it for a rare epilepsy, we're developing it for a rare cardiac condition, right? which is acute myocarditis, which affects twice as many people at any one time as the pediatric epilepsies and has extraordinary mortality and morbidity. It's the leading cause of sudden cardiac death in young children and young adults with no prior history of cardiovascular risk factors.
0: Is that the one where we hear sometimes you hear a football player, just a college football player, uh, knock on wood, but happens, you know, drops dead on a field during practice or... Uh, some some athlete you know dies on the field during a game or something like that is that is that myocardia there
1: that's myocarditis that's acute myocarditis that's exactly what happens so for reasons in medicine that we don't fully understand a virus historically it could be the influenza virus or less well-known viruses but now also the covid virus is invading the cardiopulmonary system or in basically yeah. entering the cardiac tissue, the immune system fires up to kill that virus, and it causes irreversible damage to the heart. The heart crashes in terms of its ability to pump properly, and the, and the athlete would suffer chest pain. And if they don't get to the emergency room quickly, they can die suddenly. And some of these, you do read about some of these super athletes that die suddenly during that physical exertion because their cardiac function crashes, they don't get oxygen and the heart stops. And that is obviously devastating. The other classical presentation is chest pain. A young, healthy adult goes to the emergency room suffering chest pain, which is obviously abnormal because they're young and healthy. And they do an MRI on that patient and they find inflammation in the heart. That's myocarditis. And if we don't stop the inflammation at that point, it can destroy the heart. And some of these patients actually progress and require a heart transplantation. And sadly, there's not too many hearts for everybody that need one. And that's a fairly extraordinary procedure. So the potential here is to stop that inflammatory attack, let the immune system do its job and kill the virus, protecting the heart during that process. And then these patients recover, these young patients recover and they live a perfectly normal life.
0: And this is the importance of cannabidiles because they do that much better than the current status quo traditional pharma school drugs that that are available, right? Well, they can
1: intervene with steroids, but steroids, one of the challenges, drugs like prednisone have very significant toxicology issues. They cause fluid retention. So these patients become uh, puffed up like a balloon, if you will, and it causes other side effects, like it can cause psychosis, it can cause organ damage, it can cause joint pain. And patients don't like these side effects. And then they don't stay compliant with the medicine. They don't take it because they don't like the side effects. And the challenge is if they don't take the medicine, the inflammation continues to rage and damages the heart further. And that can become irreversible at some points. These young, healthy people can develop heart failure, which is typically a disease of a population over the age of 60. They can develop heart failure in their 20s if they don't interrupt this disease. And that's the opportunity. But if you have a treatment that has side effects that, that are uh, just simply unwanted by the patients needing to take it, that can limit an otherwise effective treatment. Yep. Cannabidiol can interrupt that inflammation, doesn't cause those side effects other than maybe a little sleepiness, so it'll help you sleep at night. That's the real power that we see, but only if it's delivered in the right dose. And the real contribution of cardiotherapeutics is innovating this high strength form of this medicine so it can be d- delivered in an extra strength or prescription strength format so that patients get enough drug right away to provide the protection.
0: And you, how happy are you? Cause I know your phase one, I saw some comments from you went really, really well. How happy are you with how you've developed, how how you developed it so far, how it's come along?
1: We were thrilled with the phase one trial data. Uh, We obviously expected this drug to be safe because of its extended experience now in thousands of children with epilepsy. So we certainly expected safety, but the interesting aspect of cannabidiol is most of the data safety wise is in children because it was developed originally for childhood epilepsy. So we're the first to really apply it in high strength to adults. So we had to demonstrate again, the safety in an adult population. So we enrolled 52 patients. They had ranges from age of 20 up to 60. And we went up to very high dose, 30 mg per kilo. So that means for each kilogram of body weight, patients got 30 milligrams. So if you're a 70-kilo adult, that's 2,100 milligrams, 2,100 milligrams of drug. A lot of people that take CBD today uh, for different reasons, they're taking 25 milligrams or 50 milligrams. We wow. don't up to 2,100 milligrams. And we still didn't see any serious adverse side effects. We still didn't see any changes in biochemistry. We saw no adverse impact on cardiac status, which is critically important because we're applying this to heart disease. And that's why we were so uh, excited about these results. And then the other interesting observation was the impact of taking the medicine with food. We've said for years, the best way to take this medicine we've developed is with food because it's a fat-soluble medicine. More drug gets into the bloodstream to fight disease if you take it with food. And in this study, when the drug was administered with food, six to seven times more drug got into the bloodstream versus taking it on an empty stomach. And that is consistent with the way we've designed our trials. All patients are taking it twice daily with a meal. So we know they're getting the optimal intervention and getting the most drug into their body to fight disease effectively.
0: Looking forward. Uh, First of all, by the way, as a father to three young athletes under the age of 20, I wish you guys great success and great speed, because you hear stuff like that and you want to make sure the best is available. Devil's Advocate, clinical trials need cash. Um, How's your current cash position uh, and how far will that take you?
1: Uh, So The company, fortunately, has uh, recently brought in, since year-end, almost $11 million for the exercise of warrants and options. Uh, As you mentioned in your uh, introductory remarks last year, we also did a very successful $17.2 million bot deal that was oversubscribed, that was heavily participated by insiders and employees. So In that transaction of $17.2 million, $6 million were invested by employees of this company I was the largest participant in that. I'm the founder and the largest shareholder. So our employees together with my position are 18% insiders in this company. That's great. Our partners are an ad- additional 6%. So 24% of this company is closely held and our interests are inextricably aligned with those of all shareholders. And we're investing directly into this company. Uh, we've just brought in uh, close to $11 million combined with the cash on hand. That provides us a long runway to execute on all of these important programs, drive these important clinical results forward, announce them to the capital markets, and we believe they'll be very well received. So if you look at that impact again, you speak about GW Pharma earlier, in 3.5 years, they went from sub 200 million market cap to 7 billion because of their clinical milestones. Look at myocardia. That company, when they reported their phase two results, they added almost two billion in market value. So that's the catalyzing event that can reduce our cost of capital, provide the interest from in partnerships, and really provide that tailwind to our um, our development program.
0: Is there is there a ballpark time when you think this phase, this next clinical phase of, of trials will be done? I'm, we're not going to hold you an exact date, and I don't think you can give us one, anyways. But are we looking at? Six months, 12 months, what ballpark oh, time, time frame are you looking at?
1: Our stated objective is to enroll this trial or bring all the patients into this trial by the second half of this year. So uh, that would position this trial to complete in the second half of this year. And we are looking at a very important endpoint here. We're looking at the ability of the drug to influence a composite made up of mortality or death rate, Major cardiovascular complications like heart attack and stroke, and progression to require intensive care hospitalization, which is very, very expensive intervention. And patients do not fare well when they get that stage of disease. So, that is what we call in this business uh, significant clinical endpoints or hard clinical endpoints, because we're not looking at symptoms. We're not looking at the impact of symptoms, sort of making you feel better. We're demonstrating the impact on the drug's ability to reduce mortality and heart attack and stroke and these major devastating consequences of disease. So the fact that we're going to, we plan to enroll this study and complete it this year and have a demonstrate right. or have the ability to show an impact on these serious adverse side effects in this disease. I think that sets up for some real, real excitement when we report these data.
0: Well, I think small cap investors should really pay attention to that because the one problem biotech, you know, small cap pharma is always, pharmaceutical general has had in the small cap world is investors aren't patient enough to wait for three, four or five years uh, for results, which often can be timelines for things like this. So the fact that you'll have some really strong data potentially by the end of the second half of this year, I think is, uh, I mean, it'll be here like that. Let's talk about the fact that you're planning to uplist uplist a NASDAQ. I thought that was a good, when I, when I read that, I thought that was a good strategic move, at least planning to, because it true or true or false, David, but it seems to me that the U S investor marketplace has always had a much bigger appetite for biotech and pharma and and, and pharma. Correct. It's kind of like Canada, there's a much bigger appetite for resources. And it seems like the U S has a much bigger appetite for, for biotech and pharma. Is that true? And is that a big reason for this intention to, to Uplist.
1: Well, without exception, uh, the examples you're using there are correct. I mean, the life sciences, biotechnology, community, industry, investment community in the United States, dwarfs that of the entire world combined. It is by far the largest market for life sciences companies. It is the, because the United States is the largest healthcare market. They have the deepest capital pools to support and invest in these types of organizations but it's important that you time the transition or the uplisting correctly. You need to have US centric focused programs. So really the the trigger for us to pursue this was the initiation of our phase two, three program that was sanctioned by the FDA. So now we have a US centric clinical program. It is a drug that can benefit patients around the world that can obviously benefit Americans. So it's an American or US centric program. Uh, It's addressing probably the greatest healthcare burden uh, in the U.S., which is heart failure medicine or cardiovascular disease. And I think it it sets up for a revaluation moment, a time for these companies to be discovered. If you look at, I know we keep talking about it as an example, but GW Pharma was originally listed in London. They were about a 100 million British pound company. When they migrated to the NASDAQ within a year, their market cap, Reached a billion, and not a lot changed corporately. They were just discovered. They were revalued, if you will, and that's the opportunity we see for Cardio by listing on the preeminent exchange for biotechnology, life sciences, and pharmaceutical companies.
0: How's that? How's that process going so far? Are you still in the planning stages? Have you initiated, you know, uh, filings with the SEC and things like that? And whichever stage you're at, what's the ballpark? milestone for when you'd like to be uh, on, on NASDAQ?
1: So we have made formal application. We announced that early in March that we were making formal application and we indeed have made that formal application. So we're working through the application process. Certain aspects of that are controlled by the NASDAQ, not by us. Our goal is to be listed as soon as possible. Tomorrow would not be too soon, for example. It won't be tomorrow but it's going to be very soon in the very near future our goal and our strategy is to make sure this company is listed on the preeminent exchange because we believe we have a breakthrough medicine that deserves to be featured in the largest uh, capital markets environment for life sciences breakthrough companies. And it's um, a bit disheartening, (laughs) to pardon fun there, but it's a bit disheartening to watch other companies that we believe have asset profiles and development programs less advanced than our own that have market valuations trading at orders of magnitude larger than than our market capitalization. So we believe there is a a disparity there that needs to be rectified, and it can only be rectified by making this company better known or more broadly known to the U.S. investment community. And that's why we're now introducing it to U.S. analysts, life sciences funds, uh, major investment banks, broadening the awareness now that we have this landmark study uh, being initiated in the US.
0: I know you can't give a a price target or projection that's for sure, but when you're introducing the company to you to, to the US capital markets, I'm sure you you are I, I should say sure, but I'm assuming you're probably doing some some peer mark some peer uh, uh, comparisons you know to George Com Pharma and ABC Pharma for example, based on just those comparisons, uh, what, what do you think a more a a fair, a fair market value would be? market cap value would be for cardio? Just, bit, just based on those comparisons, not you giving a price projection. And if you don't have one, you don't have to answer that, but I figured it'd be a, a smart thing to try and ask anyways.
1: I think it's best to use um, the gauge of these other proxies that we've been discussing in this call. I mean, if we, again, if you go back on a typical stock chart for myocardia back in 2017, the company was trading at a $200 million market valuation. That same company in the fourth quarter of last year, 2020, was acquired for $13 billion by Bristol Myers. Uh, GW Pharma, same scenario trading unrecognized on the London exchange, uh, a hundred million pound market cap. we featured on that. Were then brought to the NASDAQ, properly uh, presented to the investment community. Within a few short years, that company was acquired 7 billion. So where we are in that trajectory, we're certainly more advanced than we are today. There's certainly a, right. a, um, a revaluation opportunity here to take place. And I think those two examples show you one being a cannabis based medicine and one being a heart medicine for rare cardiac disease. I can't think of two better examples to consider as potential proxies for the value we could create if we're listed on the preeminent life sciences exchange, which is NASDAQ.
0: Well, that's, that's, that's exciting, David. And, uh, I like the way you kind of, uh, you, you phrase that there's a revaluation opportunity. So, that's why investors are watching and listening to this. To, they've, got, they've, got, they've got to go do some of their homework because we can't tell them that our job and your job is to give them all the facts they need. They got go, to go do their homework. Last, last questions on two smaller items I think are important, but I really want to get Cardiol RX because I think that's a really the, the big part of, uh, of Cardiol. Uh, but you've got, you've got Cordylex right now. So I like the fact that you are an R&D uh, you, you are in clinical trials, um, but you still have a commercial product in, in Cordylex that's available nationwide through a pretty big partner in Shoppers Drug Mart. Let's have, let's have a one or two minute conversation on Cordylex, uh, how it's doing today, because obviously for it to pass mustard, Shoppers got to be a great product. How's it doing? And what are the plans going forward to expand on that?
1: So Cortalex represents an interesting opportunity for for cardiotherapeutics. We set out to develop a pure heart medicine. So when we looked at this cannabidiol molecule, we saw a cardioprotective agent. Another company that we've talked about today saw it as a potential medicine for epilepsy. That company went down the epilepsy route and it worked out very well. They received FDA approval for cannabidiol for epilepsy. But one of the challenges of that medicine approved in the United States is its cost structure. It's 32,000 US dollars a year. That is outside the scope and reach of most people's ability to pay. So it requires reimbursement. That drug is not available in the Canadian market. And if it was available, it would probably be north of $50,000 Canadian, completely unaffordable. So because that pure medicine was developed successfully, and is on track to become what we believe or analysts are forecasting could be a billion dollar market in the US. We see an opportunity in Canada in that pediatric segment for epilepsy with our medicine, which is the same concentration, same purity, same level of stability. If we offer it with a branded organization, which is our nation's largest pharmacy, the pediatric neurology, neurologists and the specialists in this area of medicine are going to turn to our formulation because the FDA approved formulation is not available here. So here we have the, the, uh, an application where the data is resoundingly positive in reducing seizures in children. The medicine is not available and we're developing it as a heart medicine. So in the interim, while we develop these high value biotechnology assets around cardiac disease, we have this rather unique opportunity to allow the medicine in a branded format, which we've called Cordilex, to exclusively make it available through the nation's largest pharmacy. And we believe there's an opportunity to generate a meaningful revenue stream to offset some of our development costs associated with the, uh, the cardiac programs, which we see in the near term to be far more valuable. But here we have a here and now commercial opportunity that some are forecasting to be as much as a hundred million dollars in this country alone.
0: So how do you go, how do you market the product? I know it's at shoppers and they're gonna make it available, but how do you how do you make sure that George Cholas and Mary Johnson uh, know about Cortalex? Is it, do you just rely on shoppers to do the work? Do you guys do some direct to consumer work to drive it? Do you go to doctors, you know, or is there any work done at the doctor level to, make them aware? What's your marketing strategy there?
1: So through a digital effort, through a digital marketing effort, obviously we're limited by physical visits and being able to do face-to-face negotiations because of the pandemic. But that is, um, I mean, digital marketing has really taken hold here and we have this unique ability to communicate with specialists sometimes more efficiently now because, Typically, if you're trying to get a group of specialists together, you'd have to try to arrange a physical meeting it could take weeks or months yeah. or even longer. Now you can throw them on a quick Zoom call or invite them to a quick Zoom call in the evening where it's convenient for them. And you can speak very efficiently to two or three or up to 10 opinion leaders in the field, make them aware that this pure medicine is available. It's available at a pharmacy they trust and they know, which in Canada is Loblaw blah, Shoppers Drug Mart. It's like CVS or Walgreens in the States. Uh, Very well known to the physicians and patients and families. Very well trusted. Yeah, well trusted. That's how we make uh, these folks aware. They're the specialists. They're the ones that know cannabidiol or CBD can reduce seizures in these uh, rare epileptic syndromes. And we make them aware that this medicine is now available in Canada as well. Uh, I think that's a, that's the combination that is going to catalyze the interest and grow uh, the revenue stream around this product.
0: Well, it's great that you've got cash in the bank, but at the same time, uh, you've got a commercialized product that's already for sale and with a lot of runway in front of it. So, you know, we'll we'll make sure we, we catch up with you on that next time you're on as well, just to see how that's progressing. And then the last question I wanted to ask you again, Small, but I want to touch on is the fact that you recently appointed a new chief medical officer, at a company like Cardiol. That's no small thing. That's Dr. Andrew Hamer. Uh, hopefully, I'm pro- I pronounced that correctly. What is what does he bring to Cardiol? What was so important about his appointment as the CMO?
1: Uh, Andrew is Andrew's addition to our team has has been it's been quite extraordinary. I mean, if you look at his background, it's it's really quite rare. So here we have. Um, he headed the cardiometabolic program for Amgen, uh, largest biotechnology company in the world, over25 billion dollars in sales. He headed the key cardiac programs there at that company uh, for the past several years. Prior to that, though, he was a practicing cardiologist with extraordinary experience in not only cardiology practice and caring for heart failure patients, but also in running and participating in clinical trials, developing new medicines, heart disease so here we have this rare combination of cardiology practice clinical trial design and execution as well as industry experience and that's Perfect. hard to come by usually you get either the academic background or you get the industry background to get them both it's very rare we were thrilled um, when he chose to come you know basically to a smaller organization where he could get back on the front line and directly influence uh, the development of new medicines. And I think that's uh, just another major validation moment for this company, and an endorsement of our prospects in heart disease.
0: Well, you took the words out of my mouth, because third party validation is a very, very important, almost ad nauseum to people who watch Agoracom. Because the fact of the matter is, if George from Com is on, I mean, he's going to say everything he's He's optimistic is he's idealistic and the future looks fantastic and that's what you expect that a ceo is right and leaders of companies but you've got a lot multitude of third-party validation but dr andrew hamer i think is a great example of third-party validation i don't think he had any shortage of options uh in front of him the fact that he chose to come to cardiol on its own speaks volume so congratulations uh on that and i love that in terms of third-party validation because it it backs up where you you're saying it's not just David, the CEO, it's some other pretty smart and accomplished people as well. Last word to you, Dave, before we sign off, what are the uh, key takeaways you want for your current investors? Because you obviously have a, a group of very loyal current investors and and, and we're going to have new investors coming in. What, what, what are the key takeaways you want all of them to, to take away from Cardial? Well, I think
1: in keeping with this message about validation, you know, in addition to uh, the great addition as chief medical officer just recently announced, I think it's also important to look at, at the board of directors, look at the entire management team, look at the steering committee that is overseeing the design and execution of our clinical trials. It's made up of some of the top heart failure doctors and heart medicine doctors in the world today. And it's international, it's not just from one center, it's from multiple nations, multiple major cardiac centers. So with that clinical trial execution design uh, behind, uh, you know, that team in place to oversee and guide these development programs, I think the key features of 2021 is the execution of this uh, landmark study in 420 high-risk patients who become COVID positive who are having an extraordinarily increased risk for mortality, and we think we can protect that population. Running in parallel with that is going to be a program in acute myocarditis. So one is looking at an older population at high risk because they have uh, cardiac disease. The other is looking at cardiac disease, but in a young population, and that makes it all the more devastating because it's attacking teenagers, it's attacking young, healthy adults. And then I think the most exciting innovation that is going to be talked about later this year is we have a new way to deliver this medicine. So our acute formulation is an oral liquid formulation that is high strength that can be taken quickly to get the drug into the body fast for an acute or an emergency setting, such as acute myocarditis, where the disease can impact patients in 20 or 30 days. But we also are developing a treatment for chronic heart failure, a treatment that could be administered lifelong because these chronic diseases, you live with them or die of them. We think a new treatment innovation for chronic inflammation in heart disease can allow people to live longer by managing that inflammation. And this is a new formulation that will be delivered much like insulin subcutaneously. So we can get more of the drug directly into the systemic circulation to target the disease more efficiently. And that's I think going to be the next wave of excitement around the uh, pharmaceuticals that we're developing here at Cardio.
0: David, thanks so much for, uh, for being here today. Very exciting, very powerful. And I think for everyone watching, not just as a shareholder, but also knowing that either for ourselves or our loved ones, there's more great potential help along the way uh, to not only help us directly as potential, you know, patients in the future. You know, knock on wood, but also good to know that if you're successful, what you're doing, um, you're also going to take a big load off of the entire uh, the, the medical uh, health system at the end of the day by by you know diverting people, making them healthier faster, and uh, and opening up opening up space for others uh, who might need it. So there's a triple benefit out of there that you don't see very often in companies. And I see it in Cardiol and wish you amazing success until you're back on here, which I'm assuming is gonna be quite frequently uh, this summer.
1: That's great, George. Uh, Thanks so much for your time today. and It was uh, wonderful to be invited to uh, share the Cardiol story with your audience.
0: Yeah, well, we loved you sharing it because it's an amazing story from both a capital markets point of view and a health point of view. It's been amazing. Can't wait to have you back on next time. For those of you at home, you've been watching or you've been listening by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform to David Ellsley, President CEO of Cardiol Therapeutics, trades on the big board TSX for now under CRDL, OTCQX in the US under CRTPF and for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under CT9. Your job now is do your due diligence. What we've done here. Is giving you, as always, a great layman overview with some nice science. We didn't we didn't make it too basic here to get you to really understand the party, the power of cardio. There's a lot to absorb, we know. So make sure you get your way, you make your way over to GoreCom, take a look at the profile section, uh, so you can kind of revisit all of this and get a nice neat summary. And then when you feel comfortable, link over to the Cardio website or you can see the URL right above David's head there, cardiolrx.com. A lot of great information there. It's actually very, very Uh, user-friendly. I've been there and it's not all the real deep technical jargon. There's some great imagery, great understanding of what they do. Do your due diligence, folks. You've heard what David had to say with a a great potential revaluation opportunity here. Do your due diligence. Don't say we didn't tell you so. See you next time.